All right, real people being interviewed on the streets. That's what people are thinking out there these days. But the question we have today is this. Do all roads lead to heaven? You know, this is a, it's an emotional question. Um, it's a question that if you were to uh, go and you were to ask all the major religions in the world uh, what they thought, if theirs was the only way, then uh, most of them would say, yes, we believe that our religion teaches the right way to get to heaven. Or some of them might not even think there is a heaven. We're going to kind of look at a few of those today. But you know, a lot of people, have, have, has anybody ever said anything to you uh, knowing that if you were a Christian, has anyone ever said something like, listen, you Christians are so narrow-minded because you believe that there's only one way to heaven. Have you ever been, anybody ever uh, said that to you in the room? Okay, we've had a few of you. All right. If you talk about that, and you know, you know, I've, I, I've talked with a lot of people. I've uh, I've been accused of that. I've been I've had people say that. Well, you're narrow-minded, and you you just got to open up your mind. Well, the question is that we got to ask ourselves: Is do all roads really lead to heaven? Years ago, there was a pastor that was a pretty famous pastor. He still is. Uh, got a mega church. He was being interviewed by Larry King. Larry King live. And can you imagine being live interview uh, by, at, at night prime time? Okay, <laughs> could you imagine that? Well, he was in the interview. Larry King asked him the question. He said, well, wh what about all the other religions in the world? Is yours, your Christian, is yours right? And are all, they, are all of them wrong? And this... Uh, Put on the spot, this, this pastor, he said, I don't know. Which that was the wrong answer, okay, for him to have shared at that point. But, in, you know, I'm not here to accuse him. I'm not here to defend him or anything. I'm just, on the spot, he answered, I don't know. Well, I want you to be able, if anyone were able to ask you that question, I want you to be able to leave here today knowing the answer to that question. Okay? Fair enough? I want you to be able to know the answer, do all roads lead to heaven? Okay? So, this past week, uh, early in the week, I was in that wonderful Atlanta traffic, okay, because of the fire shut down 85. So, I had the joy of being down there in that big parking lot called 285. And so, I was coming down through, the, creeping through there, and on the back of a car was this bumper sticker. Nature is my church. Love is my religion. Nature is my church. Love is my religion. That was right there in front of me on the car. And I, when I saw that, I thought, all right, this, you know, I didn't even look at the county tag because when I read it, I'm like, this is, this is somebody that's definitely in inner city Atlanta. Well, the sticker for the county was Barra County. And I was like, my goodness. This is creeping out to Barra County, the thinking uh, that's going on. But, but you know, the person is close, uh, but they're miles apart. Nature, nature is my church. Now, listen, I've, I've been, um, I've been, I, I love the outdoors as much as anybody. I'm a deer hunting, passionate enthusiast. 
If you've got deer hunting land nearby and you want somebody to go with you, come see me. I will go hunting with you anytime. I have to go two and a half hours to hunt, but listen, I'm just putting a plug in right now. But I love the outdoors. People tell me all the time that that's my church when I get up in that deer stand. And I go, listen, I love to hunt. But if you want to kill the really big bucks, you've got to be at church on Sunday morning, all right? I'm just telling you, you've got to be there because the Lord will bring that big buck by you during the week if you get a chance. No, I'm just cutting up. But here's the deal. I love to be out there. But that's not my church. The church is you. It's people. And nature can't be your church. Nature is part of what God has created. So you can't worship the creation. We've got to go beyond the creation to the creator. And then, you know, the love is my religion. Love is who? Love is, love is a person, y'all. Love is God. God is love. You can't, they're, they're the same. God is love. Love is God. And so I'm, I'm all about God in love. But, you know, for someone to say love is their religion, nature is their church, they're, they're a little bit off on their path. So let's see what God has to say about these things today. The one thing I can tell you is this. All of these religions, they're exclusive. They might not say they are, but they are exclusive. And they're all sincere on teaching their followers to follow their way. But the thing about the answer to this question is this. I can, I can assure you, the roads are totally different that different religions take. And the destination is a whole lot different, too, because we're going, we're going to check that out in a little bit. But I want to ask you this question. Why would God allow confusion like this? Why would God allow confusion to where there's so many people in the world thinking or they don't know? Well, I want to tell you, the answer to that is the enemy, the devil, he, he's all about trying to confuse you. He's all about anybody worshiping anything other than the one and the true and the living God. That's his whole goal. Man, he don't care what you worship as long as you are not worshiping the one and true and the living and holy God. So what kind of God would limit people to just one way of getting into heaven? Well, let me share with you some views along this way. But before we do, I want to give you the scripture passage that we're going to be in today. It's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. And so, if you were being interviewed by Larry King and he brought up the question, this would be a good place to go along with John 14, 6. But here's what Jesus had to say about the topic. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now I want to give you a word picture of what this verse is all about. This word, the picture I'm going to give you is there's two gates being presented here. And I want you to think of it this way. This, this gate across is a broad gate. It's wide. This path is very wide. But, a, but across at the top, it says heaven. Okay? 
And it, it's deceiving people. Because at the entry point, the deceiver is putting the words up there, heaven to it. Because it's a broad way, and we see the outcome of that way is destruction. But what I want you to see over here is another gate. And this gate is a narrow gate, very narrow. And it says heaven. And there are only a few that enter through this gate. There are many going through over here. Many, many people are entering through thinking, oh man, this one is the one that says all roads lead to heaven. That's what this one says, all roads. As long as you're good. If you, your good things outweigh your bad things, th th you're on this road. That's the road. It's taking you to this place, quote, place called heaven. But folks over here, this one is a narrow way. And if Larry King were to ask me that question, do all roads lead to heaven? Or what about these other religions? I could only answer him one thing. And that would be, what does God have to say about it? It doesn't matter what my opinion is. It doesn't matter really what your opinion is. It, what matters most is the one who created heaven and what his opinion is about it. Now, we all have opinions, and, and I'm not trying to belittle any of ours, but God has established the one and the only way to heaven. And that way is so narrow, and it's in the one and only person of Jesus Christ. And how do I know this? John chapter 14, verse 6 is the other scripture passage we have today. And Jesus told his disciples these words. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man comes to the Father, in other words, gets to heaven, except through me. Now, that's why Christians are seen as being narrow-minded. But are Christians narrow-minded? No. God has established the correct path. God has established the only way, and we're going to see more about that. But I'm going to give you a few details over here of this broad way. The many religions that are out there. There's a lot of religions out there in the world. You know, you know some, people, some people, once a person comes and accepts Jesus Christ, they might say, oh, he's got religion. Have you ever had anybody say something about you like that? Oh, he's got religion now. Well, really, it's not that you've got religion. What you've got is a born-again experience of the Holy Spirit and you've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit and what you have got is a relationship and uh, Christianity is a religion but the relationship is what is the key factor here y'all and so that's that's the key of that but what I want you to see is a few of these religions that are in the world and what they believe I'm going to give you the first one here this morning is the Muslims the Muslim religion in the Muslim religion, there's one and a half billion people on this planet right now that follow the Muslim religion. Okay, that's a lot of people. There's seven billion people on the planet. One and a half billion of them are Muslim. Now, the founder is Muhammad, born about 570 AD. And for the Muslim, they have what is known as reciting the Shahada, which is this statement, there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. They believe that, that, Muhammad, that God, Allah, appeared and spoke 
to Muhammad. And Muhammad recited all these things and made all these recitations through, the, through 22 years. And a book came out known as the Quran. It's their holy book. And so this is what the Muslims teach and believe. The actual word, the actual word Islam is, means submission. And so the Muslim faith is the Quran, the five pillars, and then they see heaven as a celebration and happiness. Now, the Quran has five pillars to it that they believe that uh, a true Muslim must follow. And those are recite the Shahada, which, which is there's only one God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. They're to pray five times a day facing Mecca, which was the origin place of their faith. They're to give two and a half percent of their money to the poor. They're to fast during the month of Ramadan, which is the month believed that the Quran was given. And then they are to perform a trip to Mecca at least once in their lifetime. And the, and the poor people are given the right not to go. Now I'm giving you all those details. Why? Because there's a million and a half billion people on this planet that are following this broad way. A million and a half. And it's easy. Now think about this. I grew up in South Jordan. But what if I had grown up in the Middle East somewhere? And I was taught all of these things. I want you to begin to see how things, you know, be thankful where you are. Or if you were raised in a Christian home, be thankful for that. But, you know, there are people that were taught this from their birth up. And here's the thing that I, I sense from it is that in the Quran, there's some verses there when it speaks of the destination of heaven. It's basically some good stuff for men because it talks about drinking the wine and you, you get the buzz of it, but you don't ever get the hangover. So you got the special wine you get to drink, and there's a lot of happiness there. You're going, what? Is that's in their Quran? Yes, it is. And so they got the good stuff that you don't get a hanger over, but you get to drink and have the buzz all the time. So, and they talk about the virgins that the man gets to have and has many virgins that he can have and be with while he's in heaven. And in fact, those radical people believe and do things thinking the more people they kill, the infidels, then the more virgins they will have in their heaven when they die. This is some pretty radical stuff, isn't it? But that's what they believe. And, and you know, and what, uh, ladies, man, that, that makes you want to go to heaven, doesn't it, ladies? I mean, doesn't that fire you up? But, but for the men, you know, you look at a lot of people that are in this, or they go after the men, and the men are, are being taught this stuff, and they're, they're the ones going, yeah, man, I can't wait to get to heaven. You know, it's just going to be partying women. That's all they think. But listen. That's a destructive path is being taught. Started by Muhammad. Here's the next world religion. It's a big one. Hinduism. 900 million followers. That's pretty broad, isn't it? 900 million followers. 70% of India follows the Hindu religion. I've been there. I've seen it. The Hindu religion is, is a pantheistic religion. Pan meaning in everything so they actually believe that God is in everything that's what they believe that's why you can't uh, 
do anything to the cows or any animals over there because they believe in reincarnation. And so within their religion, you get reincarnated and they believe in karma. So if you live this good life and you, you do all of this stuff good, then you'll come back as something better in the next life. Brahman is, their, is the universal spirit and they believe God is in everything. In the 20th century, a lot of the Hindu gurus came into the states, United States of America, and they started their teachings. Now in India, they teach that if you steal something, that in the next life you might be a rat, okay? Or you might be a roach or whatever. You, you've gone downhill, you know, if you've done something evil. And that's what they teach. But if you've done something good, then you're promoted up in your life. And so here's the deal. When this kind of teaching got to America and the Hollywood elites, they didn't want to know that they're going down. They just wanted to go up. And some of y'all might remember this. It was known as the New Age Movement that began to kick in. All of this is the Eastern mysticism that was being taught. You know, there's some names I could throw out. You've got some names coming to your mind that when I said that. But here's, that was the teaching. And heaven to them is nirvana. Now, nirvana, actual word means blown away. In other words, the ultimate spiritual experience for a Hindu is to just become one with all of the universe is their teaching to become one and, and, and actually go into existing in just everything within the universe it's kind of interesting though this religion started in 3000 BC and it's got 900 million followers today almost a billion people in the world you know, you might be going, why are you giving us this stuff? I'm telling you, folks, broad is the way that leads to destruction. What's their destination? They just think that there is no road to heaven because if you become a spirit and it's just, you're in everything. You're blown away. You're nothing. Wow. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? But it's true. People are doing this. People are believing this. And it's kind of interesting. It says that it takes 600,000 lifetimes to achieve that. And I'm like, well, wait a second. Now, I'm a math teacher. It started in 3000 B.C. We're in 2017. That's only 5,000 years. So, boy, they got a lot of time to make up if they're going to believe that a person can hit nirvana in their lifetime. Here's the next one, Buddhism. 376 million followers. Why is that number significant? Because that number is about the number of the people, was well, more than the number of people in the United States of America right now. It's more than the people in the United States follow Buddhism. Now, Buddhism is a kickoff from Hindu because this person by the name of uh, Gautaman was born in 563 B.C. He was in a Hindu family in Nepal. And he did not believe all the teachings of Hinduism. He thought it was flawed. And so what he did was he went and he sat under a fig tree for 40 days and 40 nights. And he, he just talked to his God. And then that's when he became enlightened. 
And that term enlightened ended up getting him, giving him the title of Buddha. And for 50 years, he performed his functions as in that role. And he would quote things and he would say things. And during his time, he came up with this, this description of what the Buddhists believe. There's four noble truths that the Buddhists believe. That suffering is universal. We talked about suffering last Sunday. They teach that suffering is universal. That craving is the root cause of suffering. So if you're suffering, you're craving something in your life. And it's leading to your suffering. So the cure for suffering is to eliminate craving. And craving is eliminated by following the eightfold path. Now, what is the Eightfold Path? Here it is. You've got to have the right views about the Four Noble Truths. You've got to have the right thought, the right speech, the right behavior, the right occupation, the right effort, the right contemplation, and the right meditation. You've got to be right, 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 right. Sounds like to me a lot of working, working, working. And if you do all of this, then eventually you will attain nirvana. And that's their destination. So, I've said all that to say this. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? Jesus said, narrow is the way that leads to life. And few are those who find it. You know, narrow is not so bad sometimes. You ever been to the doctor and he told you you had an illness, and if you didn't get, say, you know, it could have been a gallbladder that was bad. You got to get rid of that gallbladder. You say, well, doctor, I don't want to have surgery. I don't want to get rid of that gallbladder. He said, well, then you have the option to die. Do you like narrow-minded people when they speak to you that way? You got an option. You don't have to have the surgery, but you're going to die. Well, okay, I think I'll have surgery. That's a good option right now. Take out the gallbladder and you live. Narrow, being narrow is not bad in and of itself. Because when you think of it from God's perspective, the question comes up, is God uncaring because he only gives us one option? That's a good question. Is God uncaring because he only gives us one option? Let me put it this way. Just suppose, when you think of God, just suppose God decides, I'm going to create man. And God does that. And just suppose he created him out of dust. And just suppose God says, you know what? Man's lonely. I'm going to give him a helpmate. And he does. He gives him a woman. And the two are in the garden. Just put, suppose God puts them in a place that's beautiful, that's wonderful. I mean, it's paradise. And that's where they're living. And just suppose God says, listen, you get to enjoy all of this. There's only one restriction. There's only one. And that is you can't, you know, eat of this tree over here. And just suppose out of having everything that they needed, this man and this woman decide to rebel and violate God's one restriction. The outcome should have been their death, but just suppose God says, you know what? Even though you blew it, I love you and I'm going to forgive you. And I'm going to provide a sacrifice for you. And God did. 
And just suppose God says, you know what? I'm going to raise up a nation through a guy named Abraham. And Abraham lives out and becomes a nation. And suppose God says, I'm going to let this nation speak to all the people of the world to tell them of my love for them. Just suppose God sends messengers to these people because this nation began to follow after God, but then all of a sudden they began to grumble and complain about everything. And they began to turn like other nations after other gods. And just suppose God says, you know what, I'm going to send my messengers. I'm going to send my prophets to them. I'm going to send the, my, my holy men to tell them the truth and to turn them back to my heart and to me. And suppose they didn't. Suppose they just continued to do that. But God continued to forgive them. And just suppose God says, you know what? They've killed all my messengers, my prophets, I send them. I tell you what, I'm going to send my son. My one and only, my begotten, I'm going to send Jesus. And God sends Jesus, and he lives a perfect life. He, he never did anything wrong. He lived it out totally obeyed the whole law, kept everything, did not violate one thing, was tempted in every way as you and I are, yet without sin in his life. And just suppose the nation of Israel rejected him, didn't want to have anything to do with him, and then finally they called him a blasphemer, and finally they, they beat him and they bruised him, and they crucified him on a cross outside of the very place, right at the very place where Abraham offered up his son, Isaac. And just suppose, having done all of that, that God says, you know what? I still forgive you. And Jesus, while he was on that cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. And just suppose God does all of that and pours out that kind of love would you say that God is unfair? Listen, here's a quote. The wonder is not, why is there only one way? The wonder is, why is there any way at all? That's the wonder of it all. Think about it. God loves us. And God cares for you. And he wants you to know, do you honor my son? Is he Lord of your life? I want you to spend eternity with me in heaven. But listen, do all roads lead to heaven? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Bow your heads and let's pray.